Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Witches on the Couch. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Nikki and I am a witch. Hi, I'm your other host. My name is Jade. I am, big reveal, also a witch. Well, for those who do not know, we are just trying to chip away at the secret circle. So that's where we're going to be continuing our episodes today. As we have like 20 episodes to get through of this show. So we got to make a dent. And today we're going to be working on The Secret Circle, season one, episode six. I love I act like there's more than one season. Season one, the only season. Episode six, Awake. Though I think this is a strange name for this episode, as I feel like it should be named Jake. Huh. I will say right off the bat, as I usually do, I give like a first impression where I'm like, oh, I'm really going to hate this. Or I had too much fun during this. Watching this episode, completely surreal. I, I don't know how else to explain how strange this episode was to me. It was so strange. So surreal. Yeah, surreal wouldn't have been the word I originally would go with, but now that you've said it, yes, it's it feels... Ugh. So there's a couple consistent, like, threads throughout the thing, but it did really feel like just a random conglomeration of scenes. And they were just throwing stuff out and it's kind of a skippable episode. They're just, it feels like filler. Uh, there was stuff I liked, a lot of stuff I didn't, but overall it's just, what? I, I can't even like argue with any of the things you just said where you're like, oh, it's so skippable or it's filler. Like, I liked this. I hated this. Like, I feel like my entire experience watching this episode was a state of utter shock and confusion. And then it was over. And I was like, oh, I don't really know what just happened. And I will try to make this clear as I go through. Cause like, I have notes. I have clear notes. I have pages of notes. But, like, the watching experience itself, I'm, I'm kind of speechless. That, ladies and gentlemen, very rarely happens with it Nikki. It really does. I always have an opinion. I'm a Libra. I always have an opinion. And an extrovert. She has an opinion and you will always know it. It's true. That's why people don't watch movies with me anymore. <laughs> and yet we've been podcasting for over a year yeah through love <laughs> you're the only one who can put up with watching a film with me uh a lot of my friends won't show me their favorite movies anymore because i'm mean yeah that's know. valid yeah i don't know what else to say uh i like talking through things with you but also i will goddamn well stick to my opinions so that's why i mean you also have a horrible taste in like movies like in high school we took away your privilege of choosing which movies we could see in theaters because they were so bad but that's the glory of them no really good b movie is just chicken soup for the soul 
I, I really think like our friend group, our circle at the time, we were all like 17. And I just remember us all exiting the theater after another movie Jade had chosen. And there was just like Jade, like skipping ahead, being so happy and like thrilled with her life. And the three of us behind just looked at each other. And I don't remember who brought it up. It might've been uh, Flora, it might've been me. But I was like, I think we need to seriously look at taking away Jade's movie choicing. Hey, you know what? Rights. Y'all never have to go in the first place with me. And so. then we all like kind of agreed in that moment. I just remember we like all went for food afterwards and you were like still doing great. And we were like, Jade, we need to I talk. don't remember this at all. <laughs> what the hell movie did we see? Because now I need to know. I'm 90% certain it was Kung Fu Panda. Oh my God. Biggie, I love those movies. You, that's an athame to the heart. I I know, I know. And I remember you were really upset because you were like, it was so much fun. And we were all like, no, Jade, no, it wasn't. The cars (laughs) and, oh. See, but no, it's cheesy and it's dumb, but that's why I love them. Okay, let's move on before that whole section needs to be cut out. My goodness. Just just saying. So I feel like that's why you can put up with me is because we very quickly had established this relationship. Yeah, honestly, I get that from my husband a lot too. But yeah, that's, that's that rings true. Um, yeah, I I just remember Florida and I used to talk about that a lot. We were like, remember how we had to take away Jade's movie privileges <laughs> as a friend? <laughs> as a weakling yeah it, we we had a democracy once upon a time now it's just you and me and it can't be a democracy because we both vote for ourselves but once upon a time there was a democracy in this circle not just two people hanging out on a podcast speaking of season one episode six wake let's get into this i will do my best i promise uh we start off with Cassie asleep in her bed, as she often is. And then a weird sound effect occurs. I can't even describe it. I, I again, we're like four seconds in. I paused the show and tried to figure out how to adjective this sound effect in my notes or reproduce it in my own vocal cords. I could accomplish neither. So a eerie sound effect occurs. I don't write shit about it down because it didn't really matter. Great. It's very strange. Um, This strange sound effect that we cannot describe awakens Cassie because, you know, this very weird noise just happened. She then gets up and there's a sad moment. It's a good shot where she looks out the window to the window that connects with Nick's room. And obviously Nick's not there because Nick just died and she gets kind of sad. But then we see fire and flames next to the house. And she looks over like past Nick's room and there's a new blonde boy just standing before the flames. And then we cut to the opening. And again, immediately I was like, oh no, what? Yeah, actually, so far, I'm with you. Yeah, um, 
I feel like parts of this episode are gonna seem like I'm describing it poorly, but I promise you I'm not. I promise you this is what's happening. So after the opening, uh, it's the morning and Cassie goes downstairs to see her grandma who is baking all these like cookies and pastries for Nick's wake, which is apparently later that day, I believe. This whole episode, I believe, takes place in one day. I think. Because they never go to bed. But yeah, actually, I think it is just the one day. I'm very uncertain. This episode's very surreal. I think two days. Uh, but again, I also watched this in two days. So first half, I don't know. <laughs> well, Cassie tells her grandma about how she saw a boy next door at Nick's house last night when she woke up in the middle of the night to that weird sound effect. And her grandma seems very unfazed by this and is like, oh, that's probably Jake. Nick's older brother. Come again. Plot what? drop. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, yeah, this raised a whole holster of problems that they then quickly tried to exposition their way out of, where Cassie is like, well, at least the circle's broken because Nick's dead. And her grandma's like, oh, no, 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 no. You did this other kind of binding, not that one. This binding ties together your bloodlines and lineages. So with Nick's death, Jake just slips into that slot, whether or not he was there for the binding ritual or not, or was in any way consciously involved. Nice. Also, this brought up questions for, I mean, there's several questions that this episode brings up. Um, One of the things that still gets me that comes up later in this episode is Adam and Cass faded together, like Ethan and Amelia were faded together, but it didn't happen. And I still am very curious and wondering about the ancestral implications of that and yada, yada. And then it, at this specific point, <sighs> bloodlines, like, I can't even actually form a coherent thought because I'm just like that confused on what they're trying to, how, how, just because the previous generation, the parents, Amelia, Ethan, Charles, yada, yada, did not bind their circle. So, you're telling me that none of the previous families either bound their circle because this is the first generation that's bound their circle because this is the first generation where she said the bloodlines are together? I had the exact same question. I was like, so was Nick then originally part of his grandparents' circle because they were bound together and with his parents' death and it probably eventually his grandparents' death he slips into that spot like this confused this episode's very surreal i and we're again like four minutes in (laughs) um like i i really like shows when they can add some magical things but could you just stop and think 
things through for more than five minutes and maybe flesh it out a little bit if you're going to use it as a plot line. I completely agree. Um, this, as our heads were spinning and trying to grasp what is going on, Cassie has a similar reaction and just tries to like run away from the conversation where she's like, ah, and like literally just like makes a break for the door. And I was like, Cassie, what, what the fuck are you doing? And then her grandma stops her like physically and is like, you can't run from this. You're now like the leader of your circle because you have the oldest lineage here, which means even compared to all your friends, you're like the born leader and now they need you more than ever. And I was like, what? Yeah. What? Again, conveniently throwing shit out just to make it work. Edit some bullshit. Uh, it's it's very strange I my, my confusion just continues I don't I don't even know I I have no other thoughts um we cut away though thank god to give my poor little my poor little brain a, a break where we see Diana sitting on her bed and she's going through like photo boxes and her dad comes in and asks like how she's doing and everything and she shows him a photo she found of her and Nick when they were kids. They were probably like eight in the photo. And they're like wearing little life jackets and they're holding like fishing rods and these little caught fish. And they're like on the docks. And it's really cute. It's this cute little photo of them where they probably went fishing that day. And she's like, I totally forgot that when we were this young, that we used to take Nick out on the boat and he was always like really scared of the water and he used to like cling to you because it used to scare him. And this just crushes Charles as that is very sad. Charles just murdered Nick. <laughs> like this is rough. This is what I mean by like, again, my confusion of the episode. This was a really good scene. This like hurt. This made me feel bad for Charles. This was a good moment that made a lot of sense in what we know about the show. But I was still spinning off of the first five minutes that I was like, oh, thank God. This is so comforting. This very depressing moment. I felt so comforted and safe. It was so strange. We then uh, cut to the boathouse where everyone's just kind of like there. They're setting up for the wake, it looks like, which is why I feel like it's later that evening, which is why I think this all takes place in one day. I don't know, though. Because um, Cassie, like, brings, like, a Tupperware container of some of the baked goods and, like, delivers it to Adam. Yeah. Um, who's, like, Adam's at the bar with diana and then cassie shows up delivers the baked goods he just like puts them behind the bar and she informs them that jake's back in town and adam apparently hates jake they have a history and the history is jake was once offered a job at the boathouse which he took and then as jake was working there one night when jake was supposed to close he just like robbed everything from the boathouse and then cut down. And this like destroyed Adam and his dad as 
they apparently had like just like a lot of money there. Yeah. Sounds like it. For some reason, they had just everything out in the open. They just had like a bunch of money hanging around the boathouse. They don't believe in banks. Uh, that Ethan, who's definitely not a child of the depression, so I don't know why he doesn't believe in banks. But um, yeah, so Adam justifiably hates Jake. And he's like, yeah, he's kind of a jerk. He tried to like ruin my family. And also this really hurt my dad because my dad liked Jake and trusted him and then was immediately betrayed by him. And I was like, these are all valid reasons for why we hate Jake. Jake sucks. Uh, then we like kind of do like a small within cut scene where like Faye and Melissa are also there, but they're not a part of this. They're like hanging out in their own booth. And basically Faye is just talking about how like some of the kids at school are being really dramatic about Nick's death, even though they didn't really know him. So it's like very strange. And Melissa is just super out of it and obviously is not engaging or knows how to talk to Faye. And Faye is like, well, you can't just like go home and lay on your floor all day alone. And she's like, it's been two days, which, you know, fair, let Melissa grieve, but also like don't cut everyone off from you. So I can see both ends. Um, As they're having this conversation, Jake walks in and Faye kind of freezes And Jake goes up to not the Faye Melissa group, but the Adam, Diana, and Cassie group and is like thanking Adam for throwing this wake for his brother because he's obviously not involved in it. So it was all just Ethan and Adam's idea. And he's like, oh, you know, like no hard feelings about what I did two years ago, right? And I mean, Adam justifiably hates him. But then the worst happens. Jake turns to Cassie and goes, hey, neighbor. And we get jealous Adam. Because everyone loves Cassie. And Jake is being kind of making a move, but not really. Um... Something else I find very funny about Jake is it's implied later in this episode that Jake is 18 because he's been gone for two years and he's the older brother and we can assume he's like at least a year older than Nick was and Nick was 16, we think. God forbid if Nick was 17. But also, Jake makes a lot of comments about how he's not going to hang out with all these kids, which makes me feel like Jake's supposed to be a legal adult, which is unnerving, to say the least. Because we already assumed that the parents had these kids at like 14 years of age, and now we have to go back farther? We've given them the benefit of the doubt with these 16-year-olds that they... Their parents had them when, like, their parents were, like, 17 or 18, which means that Jake's parents had him when they were, like, 15. Which, again, teen pregnancy happens, but, wow. But also unnerving, because we now have this 18-year-old Jake who is hitting on 16-year-old Cassie. And 
I know these are all adult actors. Do not get me wrong. I totally know this. It's the CW. The actor that plays Jake looks like he's 30. He is a, he doesn't fit in with like the baby faces of the rest of these crew. Cause everyone else like who's playing these 16 year olds has like very round, like cute younger faces, even though it's obvious they're like probably more in their mid twenties at the time of filming this. But Jake looks like a 30-year-old man. Playing an 18-year-old. Yeah, very gaunt. And like, I think he has some like, you know, some of the creasing around his like eyes and nose that like show he's aged. And so we have like, we're able to have this disbelief that all these people are 16 and that we have this like obvious 30-year-old who's like hitting on Cassie. And I'm like, Jake, Jake, you gotta go. You can't stay here. I'm sorry. It's very unnerving. I like that uh, immediately phase like, oh my gosh, he can't see me. I'm not in my revenge outfit. And that sounded very familiar to me. Oh yeah, it's like implied. I totally forgot about this, but like apparently Jake and Faye used to date. And this was not great as according to Melissa, he treated her like total trash. So the whole like Nick treating Melissa like trash apparently also just like runs in the family. Like they were just never taught how to treat their significant others as people. Um, Also very disconcerting, which I will go into later, if Jake left two years ago and we are to believe that Faye is 16 now, that means they dated when Faye was at least 14. Maybe younger. It's also kind of gross. Kind of, but also not that unusual. We've been over this before. Gotta remember, we entered high school at about 13 years of age. Um, I was 14, but yeah. Yeah, because you're a little bit older technically. Uh, I love technically. Like, I'm technically older. It has nothing to do with, like, time. It's just a technicality. You're, like, literally minus, like, three days, six months older than me. Yeah. But thanks to timing and school year, you're a full year, quote unquote. So. Yes. It's a little schmoozy is the point I'm trying to get at. She's an Aries. I'm a Libra. I start the school year and get my birthday. We end the school year and she gets hers. Yeah. Anywho, uh, I did not date older, but Flora definitely did. Um, I feel like several other people, it was not uncommon for a freshman senior freshman junior it's a little bit weird but at the same time it's not I mean that's not so weird um I I did know a lot of girls who freshman year who like dated juniors and seniors and it was strange I found it strange um because I was like why does the 17 why is this 17 year old like interested in this 13 year old it was very strange. Um, but then there's like this very heavy implication that 
again, it comes up again later, but we'll talk about it now, I guess, that Faye and Jake were like very sexually active. Yeah. Which again is just Actually. kind of unnerving as it does seem like Faye was maybe like 13 or 14 and he was like 16, maybe 17. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. And that is I, weirder. yeah, I was like, that's really disturbing. I found it very disturbing. And this is what I kind of mean by the uncanniness of this episode. I don't think the writers thought that one through. I don't think they're thinking almost anything through. I just they they keep like they had a backstory and then I think it just went through editing a couple different times and they meshed and they never sorted it out because fuck it. It's the CW. We just gotta put something out sexual and interesting. And they did it. And I think that's the continuing issue is they just never flesh things out. So then things kind of fall by the wayside and they're they're literally stitching things. They're Frankensteining plots. I just think they didn't like think through the age, the ages involved here because they obviously want to make sh- a show that was a bunch of like 16 year olds in high school. Fine, that's that's totally fine. Like go for it, bro. But then they were like, oh, but then all their parents had to have died as teenagers as well and we that was when you and I were like wait what so all their parents had all these kids as like teenagers and like everyone was chill with that and well and then honestly in this episode too I felt like I got heavy implications and I feel like there's been a few hints in past episodes but that this all did happen after they left high school or at the very end of high school. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Aging it, between it all, just so murky. And it, it's just it's very horrible to think about, I think. Yeah. I think once once you realize like the timeline the show is the show has given us, which unfortunately, as we like have to go through, and that's what we do in these podcasts, we do synopsises and try to explain the timeline of events that we can only narrate to you which means we're very aware of the timeline and it gets disturbing because I have a same inclination that when they wanted to bring in Jake, they were like, oh, and he'll be the older brother. I have other thoughts on that, but I guess I'll save them till the end. Um, but then they're like, wouldn't it be like cool if him and Faye have this like weird, like used to be together thing but they didn't like think of the fact that he's the older brother who's been missing from the show for over two years so like what does that mean for the ages that Faye had to have been when they were together like they they just like came up with this idea and did it take five seconds to like realize what that implies it's cutting over now just kidding. Yes, I agree. Anywho, but for reals, before we continue tangenting, I, I just, I think in this vicious circle, this does lead to why this episode felt so uncanny. Yes, but we're going to talk about it a lot coming yeah, up. Yeah, it just gets worse. Just fun fact for all you listeners. Uh, if you have thoughts on any of this so far, please add us. Just explain a little bit 
Tell outside us your perspective about this decade how... old show. Because hopefully, since you can watch it on the CW app or online, CWC, I mean, uh, you're watching along with us. Maybe, maybe not. Anywho. Maybe don't recommend it after this episode. <laughs> Just hang out with us. We'll try to keep you on it. <laughs> oh, all right. Cutting over to now. Cassie's Grandma Jane is at Dawn's house. (sighs) (laughs) Just telling her that Nick's death is no accident. Dawn's making tea and then she slyly, slowly pulls out a knife from the block on her counter as she's turned around quote-unquote making tea for jane i noted this as an ominous knife grab yeah yeah for sure uh jane continues to say and also just fun fact for you don the kids bound their circle they released the demon from inside heather and it's no accident because nick was intentionally drowned or accidentally drowned not accidentally because that implies oh lord (sighs) nick drowned while trying to actually just drown the demon nick's death was from the demon yeah like he accidentally did it but it's all because he was just trying to get rid of the demon that's why it's not actually an accident uh don acts surprised almost convincingly i guess maybe convincingly if i didn't already know yeah Uh, i was just like don acts it up like yeah. uh that the circle's bound all this information grandma jane is not going to tell the elders because these kids will need their power to protect themselves don wholeheartedly agrees to watch over them she'll do her duty and her due diligence and this whole scene made me laugh uh this is the sort of cheesy b-movie shit I like. I was okay with this scene. It was fine. Uh, Cuts over, though. Kids are at their old house. And by kids, I really mean the teenagers, our circle. Uh, Old house in the woods. Cassie says that, hey, Jake's in our circle. But no one else in the group wants him in their circle. Cassie begins to argue that he has to be told he can't leave. Because if he leaves, he basically, he takes all that power with him, leaving them vulnerable. They could potentially have a lot of issues in the future. (laughs) Faye says a line that I liked, uh, who died and made you queen witch? Just right off the bat. And then, oh, sorry, before, oh yeah, Nick just died. Everyone gets really awkward for a moment. She's like, oh, nope. Uh, and then suddenly there's a bonfire or something outside and they all rush to put it out magically and once they put it out it's in the shape of a crescent moon adam automatically assumes it's jake messing with them because you know he's that sort of asshole regardless it's obvious that someone knows about their circle that's the conclusion they come to I will say, I think I also hated this episode 
I didn't hate it. I, I found confusion within myself in this episode uh, because for the last five episodes, I have hated Adam. He's been like one of my least favorite characters. I brought it up on multiple occasions. And this episode made me take Adam's side constantly. And I was like, I hate this. Oh no. I know. I know. That's hilarious. Um, cuts over though. Kathy runs and finds her grandma at work. Dude, at the hospital. grandma works at the hospital? Was this ever established? I was like, why are we at the emergency room? And then her grandma's just in scrubs. And I was like, what? Yeah, I don't, not that I recalled, but honestly, who knows? Her grandma seems like such like a hippie grandma. I honestly assume she worked like farmer's market or something. Like we have never once visited this hospital or like had any establishment. This is where her grandmother works. It was, I, I literally was like, I'm sorry, excuse me. Did I miss this the whole time? Have we brought this up? Yeah, I briefly wondered that. And then it was like, I'm not going to spend the brain power worrying about it. According to grandma, the crescent moon is a symbol of conquest to be burned on a witch's land to scare them by being marked. No. (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, oh. No. There's a lot we could talk about in like the symbology of moon phase symbolism. Um, I mean, the there's two types of crescent moons waxing and waning they have different meanings this one is a waxing I, think. I don't think they keep it consistent um because they do a few crescent moon like burns but because they're in like different locations it's always like the crescent's like facing a different way you know mm. not they did but honestly yeah, I didn't pay that much attention. So probably not. Anywho, um, so yeah, a little frustrated right there by what potentially could have been awesome tie-ins to actual magical things. And of course, nah. No. Not too bro. much to hope for. Uh, but yeah, somehow a crescent moon of all things is a symbol of conquest. Cass admits that she saw Jake actually burning something behind the house last night. Grandma tells her, um, maybe just don't tell him he's part of the circle yet. Maybe don't tell him y'all are a circle yet. And I laughed at this part too because she was all gung-ho about no, Cassie, it's switching to Jake. This is how it goes. You got to keep him in there, yada, yada. Importance. And then, oh, maybe let's pump the brakes. Maybe we don't know who Jake is. Yeah. Thanks, Grandma. Uh, then cuts over. Faye actually goes and visits Jake at his boat. Yeah, this 18-year-old has a boat on the docks. Uh, very Witches of East End, not going to lie. I had that moment. I yeah. was like, I am conditioned to like this. <laughs> But I shouldn't. Oh. Am I going to compare every show to Witches of East End? Probably. 
Probably. I'm sorry we have a golden standard. <laughs> it's Lifetime's Witches of East End. Ironically. <laughs> Who'd have <laughs> thunk? Okay, <laughs> uh, so uh, he says, Jake says, <laughs> all dolled up just to say hello. Because she looks real good. I mean, she's fey. She's gorgeous. Like, Yeah, but you can tell she did dress up a little bit extra. Um, no, she just wanted to say she's sorry about Nick. He was a good guy. And she was bored. Which, you know, really sounds like Faye. Jake says Faye was clingy. That's why they didn't work out. He dumped her like yesterday's news. She goes to leave. And turns around. Hey, did you, you know, did you set the fire? Was that you? Uh, he grabs her asking what she's talking about yeah he instantly gets very aggressive i was like "Ooh, bad sign right she says he doesn't get to tell her what to do anymore so you're not gonna answer my questions fuck off i'm not gonna answer yours which (sighs) this whole trip down here faye was just really stupid because you obviously had to go out of your way to go visit his boat. And nice try. None of the effects you were hoping for happened. Because Jake sucks. Because Faye kind of sucks. And Jake sucks. And this was another scene that just didn't need to happen. Really. I agree. This whole scene didn't need to happen. Um, but it did. And it, it, it occurred. And we're going to go away from it. It's Charles and Dawn having a meeting back in, I believe this is Dawn's kitchen, but I am not the expert on identifying which kitchen is Dawn's and which one is Charles. So who knows? Um, But I'm going to say it's Dawn's kitchen. Uh, Dawn tells Charles about how Grandma Jane came to visit her and how she like kind of trusted her with this and yada yada. And Charles is just, like, very distracted throughout it. You can kind of tell Charles is, like, going through it. And Don, like, obviously notices that he's not paying attention and says that this isn't a time to lose focus. Like, they really got to double down and, like, get through this now, especially because Grandma Jane probably has a crystal. And if Grandma Jane trusts them, they can get their hands on the crystal and use it to find the others because they drained their last one. So they need Charles to keep it together. And Charles is just real sad. The the moral of Charles this episode is sad, Charles. It was nice to see that he wasn't completely heartless jerk. He's not a psychopath, that Charles. Yeah. Yeah, because was honestly worried about that. But nope, he does have a little bit of a conscience. Well, the way we were first ever... The first time we ever saw Charles ever in this entire show, uh, he was burning Amelia alive. Yeah, exactly. And then the next time he was threatening to drown Ethan. And then the next time was he's dead. But anywho. Uh, But yeah, so Charles is just like really going through it this episode, which I do enjoy. I think honestly, Charles is interesting and the actor does a good job with him. 
I'm I'm okay watching Charles in the show. Good job. Okay. I don't agree, but go for it. I think it's honestly it's more of the character itself is rather two dimensional than the actual actor having any issues. But that's just my opinion. I I think compared to all our other two dimensional characters, Charles has a lot going on. 2.5 dimensions. Yeah, not quite three. Um, we then cut back to Cassie at her house where she's just like walked in. She's like, hey, I'm home. And she's like walking down that ominous hallway she has where she was attacked by a demon a few episodes earlier. And we see like a figure dash behind her. And she's like, oh, is someone here? And turns around, but no one's there because it's Cassie. So she keeps walking and goes to her kitchen I also couldn't choose it out of a lineup if my life depended on it. Uh, where this like emo girl walks out into the open now. I don't know how else to describe her. The girl went heavy on the eyeliner. She wears a lot of black. She honestly looks like how I looked like when I first got into gothware, but not quite. So don't know how to describe her. Um, she says she's here for Cassie's blood. And that looks like she draws a knife, but I was very uncertain on what she drew. We then cut to like the outside of the house because apparently this episode like could not do like action stunts if their life depended on it. (laughs) So we just hear like Cassie screaming like from outside the house and like who's walking by the title name of the character episode, Jake. So Jake goes running in to save the day. And like, at this point, this emo girl's just on top of Cassie and is like cutting her upper bicep. A, a weird place to go for. Um, but she knows, she goes for it. And like Jake like throws her off her and they start using magic to like get her to run away. But she did get away with like a cotton ball. Cassie's blood. Before she attacks Cassie, she specifically says, I want your blood. I said that. I mean, she got the blood, though. She did what she came to do. She was upfront about her intentions, and lo and behold, she did it in the craziest way possible, maybe. But I just gotta say, respect. In and bounce. Um... It was, it's also really strange because like Jake and Cassie treat this like Jake's like a, a knight. Like he's like this real hero and, and Cassie was about to die. Thank God Jake barely made it time. But like literally the, the stranger girl is like just kind of next to Cassie and is like sliced a small indent in her upper arm. And I was like, she wasn't even like going for the neck. Or, like, looked like she was going to, like, really stab or harm Cassie. She was like, oh, hold still. I need to get this real quick. I was like, okay, I mean, sure. I guess it's glad. I'm glad Jake was here, too. Because what if she went for your other bicep next? What if she did worse, okay? Just chillax. I gotta have a dark and broody scene um but like establish with like, a connection but with like no blood or gore like this might be but this episode has the weirdest 
It's so I mean, strange. It is the CW. But I feel like we've got done much like darker and like bloodier before in the show. Like this felt so darker, yes. Bloodier? No, I don't think so. So unbelievably tame. Yeah, we started the show watching Amelia get burned to death. Like, I don't know. Well, <laughs> watching her in a fiery house. But like she like falls down and there's like flames on her and stuff. Like they're coming close. It's all implied. I just I don't know. It I I guess we're happy Jake was here because I even though it doesn't seem like this girl knew how to attack anyone. Um, but Jake starts like trying to bandage up Cassie and so they go back into her kitchen. And Jake says that he doesn't know who she that girl was, but like she's lucky he showed up. She asks, like, how Jake knows he's a witch and how he did magic. And he goes, Oh, well, I found my book years ago. Okay, Jake. Yeah. Sure, Jake. Why not? And conveniently. Yeah. So apparently, once upon a time, before Jake even left town, Jake found a magic spell book connecting him to a bunch of other kids in this town who were at least two years younger than him. And instead of doing anything about it, he kept the book a secret and ditched. And a little over two years later, um, Diana would find her book and then we'd all act like it was the first one ever found until this moment for convenience. Yep. Uh, but he says that he doesn't want anything to do with their stupid circle. He doesn't really care. You know, he's this is one of those points where he's like, I'm not going to hang out with all you children. And I'm like, okay, are you like 18? Why are you not in college? Like, uh, why aren't you doing something? Why don't, why don't you have a job? He gave me very uh, Vampire Diaries moody vibes. Which again is kind of classic CW, but... Which is also funny because we've talked a lot about how Faye will eventually the actress be in the original spinoff. And I'm like, ah, that actress's next location. Yeah, um, it's fine. He, he then just kind of says how that night when Cassie first saw him, he was putting out the fire in his yard. He didn't start it. But then he found that there had been a crescent moon burned in his yard, too. Oh my god, because we know crescent moons mean conquest. Ask anyone. And at this, like, her grandma walks in, who's apparently a nurse or doctor of some sort, and so immediately starts inspecting Cassie's wounds and just kind of, like, sends Jake away. She's like, all right, cool, thanks for, like, saving my granddaughter. Get the fuck out. And I respected that choice. I was like, good job, grandma. I really like that. So we then cut to another scene where I don't know where we are in this timeline. Surreal. Uh, we're Adam and Diana are in Adam's car, I believe it is. The Jeep is Adam's, I think. And they're driving and they're talking about how Cassie was attacked because apparently Cassie updated everyone at some point. So we now need to discuss it. And so they're chatting about it. They're like, oh, well, like, I can't believe it happened. Who do you think she is? What do you think this means? And then we see Jake and Cassie standing outside their house talking. Because I don't know. I don't know what time of day it is. I don't know what year it is. For all I know, this is the next year. And it's been so long since they've seen each other. 
Um, but they stop the car to go talk to Jake and Cassie. They just catch each other up about everything. And Adam is like horribly obnoxiously jealous the whole time where Jake's like, I'm just happy I was there. Could you imagine if no one was there to help you, Cassie? And like Adam's pissed and gets all brooding and jealous about it. And this upsets Diana for obvious reasons because his girlfriend's right there. So they march off and go back to their car as Diana's like, you're acting like a jealous boyfriend and not towards the right girl. I was like, oh shit, Adam, keep it together. But also I guess this is your plot now. And then I didn't realize this, but Cassie and Jake talk about it once they leave. Apparently emo girl with bad knife skills had a crescent moon necklace on. And they're like, it's exactly like the crescent moon that was burned into all those houses. And I'm like, what? Okay, I missed that. And B, she probably got it at Claire's. I mean, I think she said it was on the knife, but regardless, yeah. Attacker had crescent moon symbology. And uh, Jake thinks, oh, she might be just be from a different circle. Yeah, they wonder if maybe he, she like followed Jake here. I don't know. I hate Jake. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I have nothing to add. So. Uh, we cut over to suddenly Melissa is um, knocking on a door, some random door, but then she lets herself in when nobody answers, and it turns out it's Nick's aunt's house, because then she lets herself into Nick's room. And bottom line, she mopes with his stuff and cries on his bed. Melissa's sad. Yep. Uh didn't need that scene but okay we don't know what to do with melissa it's obvious <laughs> we don't know why she's here uh cuts over they're at uh at the old house in the woods uh, the rest of the circle remaining circle besides melissa and nick uh they're discussing jake he needs to stay versus he needs to go two for two against Faye and Adam are against, Cassie and Diana are for. Yep. So Cassie says, you know, they've been marked. They really need him. Again, we need his power. We need his help. Adam, in summary, Adam says, no, there's no trust. We don't trust him. So we're stronger without him. They go back and forth a little. I did like that line from Adam. I think it was one of the first, like I said, I hated that this episode made me agree with Adam because Adam's usually like our brash, emotional one who's like, we have to do it because it's the right thing. This is kind of the first time we've seen like critical thinking Adam who was like, yeah, he has the line or something that's like, if we can't trust Jake, then we're stronger without him. Nick had his problems, but we always knew he had our back at the end of the day. And I'm like, that is a fair judgment of the situation. Like the last thing you need is to put faith and responsibility and hope on someone who's just gonna let you die. (laughs) Like it's better to not have that around so you can work with the people you trust. True, true, but still. 
I need to have all their circle. Uh, balance and all, yada, yada. But anywho, uh, yeah, so Adam makes fair points. Adam gets huffy and leaves. Diana goes to follow, of course. Cassie says, uh, well, I think uh, to Diana before she actually leaves. If they let Jake leave, oh, I remember. Sorry, blocking out part of this episode. And I just watched it not that long ago. Um, Diana asks Cassie directly, do you trust Jake? Cassie can't say yes. But she does say, if we let Jake leave, we'll never know if we can trust him. Which I thought was impactful as well. Uh, I disagree. (laughs) What? I disagree. Whatever. You never really know. Trust is like blind faith. You never really know until you're hanging on a limb. I... But I would say trust is also built and you oftentimes give it based on what you know of a person and their experiences and actions as you have been a part of them. So if I'm hanging out with someone who is constantly flaky and never shows up to anything I invite them to, I'm not going to trust them to like show up to the next thing I invite them to. I'll be like, they're probably not going to show up and I will not wait for them. And I feel like because the only backstory we know about Jake is he seemed abusive to Faye. He bounced out of this town, leaving his little brother, who was obviously going through some shit, and then stole from Adam and his dad after being trusted with a job and still bounced. I think... I think I think if I was one of these kids, I would be like, you're right. He's a mystery and I don't know who he is. I know exactly who the fuck he is. Oh, yeah. Good point. I probably would. uh, Yeah. Slowly build it back. But benefit of the doubt. He's been gone a while. World is harsh. Changes people. Not always for the best. But anywho. Uh, yeah, I still liked Faye's line, uh, Cassie's line, sorry. And then as Diana leaves, basically Faye warns Cass about Jake. He'll have sex with you and break your heart into a million pieces. Blah, 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 blah. Just be careful. Cuts over to Grandma's redressing Cassie's arm wound they have to assume that the attacker will be back so grandma pulls out a box with a power crystal you know the one that they used for uh the demon so i was about to make a really dorky joke but i kept it to myself so instead i'm just gonna say something i thought was funny she doesn't pull out a box she pulls down a mantle clock and there's a secret compartment, which I dug. Okay, I didn't notice that. I literally was writing, looked up, and there's a box, and then Cassie opens the box. No, but okay. It's a, it's a mantle clock, so it's a clock that's a small four yeah. feet that yeah. you would say on your mantelpiece. 
and the mantle clock like opens so that the base is a box so it like uh, splits on hinges and that's where she that plays out i was like gone. that's cool i want a secret mantle clock but i need a mantle for it to make sense well you could have a secret shelf clock um thank you for pointing that out that is cool bombed i missed it power crystal but also warns her she goes on and on circle magic is difficult because of everybody's different attitudes and views and yada yada but the crystal you can use on your own focuses it's a lens to focus your own power so don't even tell your circle you have it because it's the most coveted type of magic and can bring out the worst in people ominous and as we kind of already have seen with donna charles cuts over uh that night jake meets the attacker in a seedy motel her name is simone she has a random bottle of vodka yeah like she's stealing herself after the failure to go back out and do it again starts to talk and suddenly he pins her to the wall jake is again aggressive big surprise uh they say stuff i didn't care for all the details she came to kill all the witches he's upset because he he would like to kill her uh she is one of those overly zealous types the the true believers but not the actual witches so the believer that witches are available or our thing it's legitimate but he says all this by while holding her by the throat pinned against the wall by the way this isn't a casual conversation i just need to make this very clear for jake uh yeah and then releases her searches the room for the blood she took from Cass. says it's too soon for bloodletting and then when she tries to stop him he again gets aggressive grabs her by the arms and throws her halfway across the room and she likely hits the side of the bed yeah she tells him though he just made a big mistake he tells her to stay out of his way jake's an abuser that's what I got from this. That is my takeaway. That is why I stand by Jake. He is abusive. I do not like him. I want to see him go away. Alrighty. I have not seen this much but, aggression in an episode that wasn't directed towards like a demon this entire yeah. show. Like it was enough for me to keep noting it where I started underlining it because this is his third or fourth like aggressive move towards someone who seems significantly less physically powerful than he is and it's like dangerous aggression like i could just like break your neck now aggression where i'm like bro bro and out of nowhere spring-loaded aggression yeah i don't like it i don't want jake around i don't like it um we cut away from this though and my fears of Jake to Nick's wake, where everyone's showing up. Uh, the grandma brings more baked goods. 
was like, all right, we know how grandma copes. Yeah, it's what grandmas do. Grandma copes with grief by uh, making cookies. That's fine. And Faye's just um, doing drugs with that like weird dropper stuff they made episodes ago at the funeral. And I was like, Faye, Faye, come on, sweetie. Nick's special witch's brew, she tells Cassie. And I laughed. Just such a cutesy little name for drugs. Yeah, Cassie doesn't approve, but Faye's like high as a kite, so... I love that, again, we brought this up the first time they showed up. They like they don't actually want to give Faye, like, real-life drugs, so they're just like, here's a dropper. Just, like, put it on your tongue and pretend you're high. It's like, okay. Um, Adam's dad, Ethan, thank you, by the way, for playing that up in the beginning of the episode. I did could not remember his name this entire note session, so he's always dad. Um, Got my sticky note of all the characters <laughs> literally right next to my computer. I, I, I want to go into that at the end of this episode, too. Don't worry about it. Um, so Adam's dad, Ethan, is, like, drinking behind the bar, and it's, like, he's, like, downing shots, and it's super noticeable to Diana and Adam, and Diana's, like, oh, do you, like, want me to go over there to help you with them? And he's, like, nah, I'm going to do it myself. So Adam goes over and is like, hey, dad, uh, this is awake. You can't get like blackout drunk tonight um, because Ethan's an alcoholic. And Ethan says that this town just can't stop burying teenagers. And he remembers the wake for his friends back in the day was actually held in their school gymnasium. Which again, I was like, okay, how old were you all when this happened? If your high school put on your wake. But I don't look at it. Don't don't look at it. You're gonna end up where you where I am, which is just a spiral of confusion and self-doubt. And we do find out though, he says he went pretty much by himself because Amelia didn't show up. And that seemed really hard for her. And he says he thinks she was too upset over Blackwell. And Adam's like, who the hell is Blackwell? And then Ethan immediately like shuts down. And convenient. Yeah. Plot Adam, drop for later. Adam's like, all right, dad, just slow down. And we like leave the scene. I, as we are podcasters, as semi-quasi-professional TV show watchers at this point. I'm assuming Blackwell is Cassie's father? I think so. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like that was said in literally the first episode, very briefly, and then it was swept under the rug again, but I don't recall, and I didn't feel the need to go back and check. Yeah, I think I got rid of episode one notes. I was going to go looking for it, but I only have episode four um, up to. And I, because I don't remember him saying Blackwell, but he said some other name who like Amelia ended up with instead of him. Um, But I have a feeling this is Cassie's dad because we are quasi-professional movie watchers. So I can call the CW show plot lines. And a little big for your britches there, Nikki. I just watch out for my YouTube channel <laughs> coming this fall. No, that's a total lie. I don't have time to do YouTube. Slash, I don't like 
people seeing my face. As weird as that sounds, I like the like. There's a reason we'd podcast, yeah, and not, like Twitch stream. Yeah, I like that we're just voices and no one needs to like recognize us. I don't even put my face out there more than it already is. I have an Instagram; it's fine. Oh, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> so Jake shows up at the wake. Um, Jake at a wake. Jake at a wake. That's actually what I have in my notes, but then I was like, "That's stupid." Pop uh, on top. Uh, it's the next Doctor Seuss book coming your way this fall. <laughs> um, so Jake shows up and immediately just like beelines for Cassie and Adam to insult Adam. And I was just like, Jake, why are you the worst? Like he shows up, he's in a mood. And then Adam says something like passive aggressive because Adam's jealous. And Jake's like, oh, I'm sure he didn't mean it, Cassie. He's probably just an alcoholic drunk like his dad. And I was like, Jake, what the fuck? Um, so they get in a physical fight. This will be, I believe, let's keep a tally in my notes. Um, Jake's fourth physical aggression of this episode, of which we are about 25 minutes in. So at least every five minutes or so, um, yeah, Jake's being physically aggressive towards someone. Cool. Actually, it's the fifth if we include him uh, getting... Simone off of Cassie. So this is actually the fifth. I, I take five. This tally. Five. Five. <laughs> yeah. So they get in a giant fight to which, like, Diana and Cassie pull them off of each other. But Jake, being a 30 year old, um, obviously was beating the crap out of Adam. Jake looks perfectly fine. Adam has like blood and shit on his face. Like Adam got the snot beaten out of him and Jake looks like he just went for a swim. So he's doing great. Um, Cassie goes to take Jake outside cause like can't keep these crazy boys together. They're just gonna fight about me. Oh no. Just your commentary for this is hilarious my my defeat is not um, obvious at this point nope totally not so as she's pulling uh just that crazy boy jake outside they run into charles who is again going through the ringer poor charles i i feel so bad for him this whole episode i feel like he was the one thread i had to like ground me to some sanity so he says he's sorry for Jake for his loss, but then accidentally calls him Nick at the end of the statement. And then Jake's like, I'm Jake, that's my brother. And he was like, oh shit, you're right. And like, he goes over, Charles goes over and looks at this like large collage they've made of all like the pictures of Nick throughout his life. It has like little trinkets and stuff hanging on it. And he sees like all the pictures that actually there were quite a few of Nick hanging out on his boat or near the water. And uh, yeah, Charles is just rough. Yeah. Just, just a rough, rough little boy. 
And like Don has to come over and pull him away from the collage. And it's like, oh, you can come sit at our table, like come over here. And Charles can't can't do this. It's it's very obvious. He's just unraveling, yeah. Yeah, it's before our very eyes. So that's very sad. I love Charles now, apparently, because I have no one else. So here we are. And then we cut to outside where Cassie is outside with Jake and they're having a moment. Um, Cassie talks about how her mom also ran away from this town. So she gets it. Sometimes you just have to keep running and running and you don't even know what you're running from. It's tragic in a broody, attractive kind of way. Ken, your commentary is just you're killing me. <laughs> I couldn't even like actually finish that statement afterwards. <sighs> I was like, let me now get a drink of my drink because I feel disgusting. Um, yeah, so they like air quotes bond about this where he's like, oh, you get me. You see how broody I am. Broken, but in a hot way. Um Cassie goes back inside. She's like, I'm going to rejoin everyone now. You take a minute. And then, like, there's just a cutscene of Simone skulking around outside. And so she's on the picture. But nothing comes of it right now. So I don't give a shit. Um, so instead, we just do another cutscene to Diana, who's, like, gone to the side room to visit Ethan, who's, like, just laying down on a couch. And she brings him some coffee. And she knows how he likes it. And it's very sweet. And he says how great Diana is and how lucky Adam is and how it sucks to be Diana because her and Adam aren't meant to be. And she's lucky that he, Adam is lucky to have her, but Adam is ultimately destined to be with Cassie. It's written in the stars and you can't fight fate. And that sucks to be her. Yeah. Just we're on an uphill. This is like an honest to goodness roller coaster. We're on the incline, climbing nice and slow, and then we reach the peak and we quickly rush down. And there goes your stomach. Um, although in this scene, it's not very clear. I wish there was more. He briefly sort of touches on slash is kind of implied that. It was actually him and Amelia that were fated to be together, but since they ignored the fate, all this has kind of come about because, again, they ignored the fate. So now that they ignored it, it's stuck to the next generation, Cassie and Adam. They can't ignore it. Shit's going to be bad if they do. So now, again, I want more actual details of what the F's actually supposed to be going on between these two bloodlines. I agree. It's very strange and honestly very funny to me, Um, especially because once again, once you think about it, this is like a 35-year-old basically telling a 16-year-old how it must be shitty to be her because his son can never love her. Like, why are you this involved? 
Like, I remember parents of friends like this in high school. Like, I was just going to say, some people don't actually can't let go. This is a real life thing. Like, get out of there. Like, stay away. It won't end well, I promise. So, cuts away to the actual show. Uh, Melissa catches Faye tottering precariously on the rail of the decking of the boathouse restaurant frog on a log on a lump on a snail and yada yada you know however that song goes <laughs> down by the banks of the hanky pain no those oh, are bullfrogs those are bullfrogs yeah uh they don't make from bank Faye asks if, if uh, okay <laughs> sorry reach through this screen and slap you i'd like to see you try you're Uh, not jake they asked if jake is inside because you know she's so over him is a kite she also yeah she still is she thinks they could fly oh yeah if She's we combine our magics, do you think we could fly? You and me. Is Jake still inside? Doesn't matter, really, because I'm so over him. Um, Melissa tells her, stay away from Jake. Honestly, boils down to last time you guys got together and broke up, he almost put you in a psych ward is how badly you handled it, A. I'm not going to let that happen again. I can't also handle babysitting you like that. Uh, points. I, yeah. I was also like, oh, holy shit. I hate Jake. Melissa's coming in strong in this scene. Yeah. Uh, Faye says she was a kid then and now she's a wicked witch. Ahead. You were sexually active then implying she's not now but all right um mel is upset that this night is not about Faye. it's not about jake it's about nick and melissa loved him emphasis Faye says he loved you too they have a little moment <laughs> melissa can tell that Faye's just thinking about her and Jake in that sort of love when she said that. Not about Melissa and Nick. But Melissa needs to hear it, so she'll take it right now. Uh, Faye gets a little giggly and oh, Melissa, you just know me so well. We're such good friends. And they laugh and hug and it's jolly dandy. Uh, cuts over then to Adam is nursing his busted cheek from Jake's punch. Cassie says he deserved it. Fuck you, Cassie. I mean, this one punch, no, he didn't deserve because Jake said shitty things. But also Adam's been... Adam's been like jerky this episode, but it's really shitty after she just came from outside from the guy who initiated the fight 
who not a mark on him to be like, oh, I feel like I get you to come inside to her friend, someone she's been friends with for like now we can establish months and be like, you totally deserved that. Like, fuck you. And then she follows up with what you're doing to Diana is not right. I hate Cassie. Yeah, this the scene was ouch. Uh, talk details Adam but Adam loves Diana too he loves both these women but he can't have it both ways so uh, circles back around to Adam doesn't yeah, trust whole- Jake with either girl never mind, never mind. I'm, I'm staying away from that one that's a landmine please do uh, stay away I mean uh, <laughs> I, he says I can't help how I feel True, but you know, you can control your goddamn actions, and that's a huge part. It's called adulting. He's 16. You, <laughs> uh, I know, but still, this is when you start learning you have internal feelings, you can't always act on them. Actions have consequences. Yeah. It's uh, easier for Cassie to trust him, though, because she doesn't really know anybody here. Ouch. Cassie says, no, I haven't really been here that long. But you know what? You guys are like the only real friends I've ever had. So. Basically, fuck you. Cassie's led a very lonely life. Yeah, Uh, that's the tone of voice, though. She's hurt. And oh, Uh. Only real friends, and especially Diana. Adam breaks down for a second. Well, I hope I'm I'm wrong about Jake. I don't think I will be, but I hope I am wrong. Real humble. Uh, I don't then, think you will be either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have uh, one season to find out. <laughs> regardless of how I was picturing jake originally there's definitely by this line especially like there's no no other way they could take the episode jake's gonna be bad yeah too much foreshadowing etc uh so cassie then actually catches a look of jake walking away with a girl that she doesn't recognize just outside cassie ditches adam to follow Yes, you do. Yeah. At your friend's funeral. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cuts over to Simone is berating Jake. He was closer to kissing Cassie than killing her. He'll never be able to complete the mission. Well, Jake tells her to stay out of his way. He's done here. Oh, she knew it. Can't complete the mission. She attacks him, but Cassie happens upon it at the right time and uses her crystal to make the knife drop. And Jake whoops it up and kills Simone with it. Like, legit stab through the ribcage, like, to the hilt of the blade. Yeah, straight into the heart. Yep. Damn. I was impressed. I was like, damn, you really wanted to kill her. All right. Yeah. Uh, cuts over then. I was super confused by this cut because it just felt so jarring. We literally, like, we pan between Jake, Cassie, and this 
dying body slash dead body and then suddenly unknown time not exactly known location cassie's sitting on a doorstep it's her grandma's doorstep once we pan out a little bit uh later this that night what I meant though by this episode felt really weird where like they didn't want violence but they had a very violent episode where it was like we just like witnessed him like seriously stab a girl and instead of like holding that scene for a minute they're like it's too much they're on an adorable doorstep <laughs> i was like what yeah uh jake comes up sits with her jake implies that he knows everything now oh she was just a scavenger witch that that lady that was with me um they actually you know they get power you know someone died heard someone had died here so she came to suck up whatever power she could cassie's now scared by how much witch stuff she doesn't know really jake asks her hey um how how did you make the knife drop since the circle is bound and no one can do magic on their own Cassie, to her credit fairly smoothly i thought i i agree i i gave cassie a good lie here uh says oh i thought that was you maybe it was both of us yeah cassie plays a hella cool yeah uh <laughs> the cassie brings it full circle pleads for him don't leave but he comes back if you really knew me you wouldn't want me to stay that's true jake i don't want you to stay but you don't really know him i i think i, I do <laughs> <laughs> uh cassie pleads more he agrees to stay a little longer bottom line there they Cuts have an eye over. moment they have an eye moment uh, i was trying to skip over that yeah they do it's weird i i've brought this up in multiple <laughs> other shows where i'm like they make an eye contact moment Steve. it happens again except it's not like witches of east end fun it's like oh don't stare at this underage girl that way good sir It's over to Adam is cleaning up the boathouse. Diana comes in. Had been talking again to Ethan. I want a Dustin love. Just like Ethan was saying. I see the way that you look at Cassie. But it's it's just it's deep no matter what you you don't look at me that way so i do like the way she says this i did note it because i was like oh it's a really good way to say it she says that the way adam looks at cassie is a way she's never been able to really figure out and the best way she can describe it is is a look of total wonder and i was like oh that's quite gorgeous diana it was a smidge too cheesy for me i liked it uh yeah so Adam insists, no, I do love you, Diana. But Diana breaks up with him regardless. I was also very confused by that because she's just like, I don't think it's going to happen. And then she walks away and I wrote, wait, did they break up? And then the next scene, Diana's like, I just broke up with Adam. I was like, they broke up. <laughs> All yep. right. 
Spoilers. Cuts over next to Diana's at Cassie's doorstep. Uh, Bridget Tears broke up with Adam. Oh, why? Because of you. She honestly says to Cassie. But Adam was her best friend. She doesn't really have any other deep friends. She didn't know who to talk to about this. So she came to Cassie because Cassie's the next best thing. This made me really sad for Diana. I'm not going to lie. As a single person, single girl. Hey, what's up world? Um, Who has had many friends in relationships, out of relationships, what have you. I've seen it all. I have constantly lost friends to relationships where it's like, I now have, for argument's sake, just, I I don't care. I'm a gender norm it. Um, They're like, I now have a boyfriend. I don't need anyone else. And their significant other, this like boyfriend or this like girlfriend uh, becomes like their whole life. That's their only friend. That's the only person they're going to spend time with. They lose everyone else in their social circle. And if that relationship ends, they are completely lost because they have literally no one else at that point. And it does suck. At the same time, I'm usually the friend who's like ditched for the significant other. So I have my own problems. Um, but it did make me be like, all right, Diana, this seems like a good moment to look within. Who is Diana outside of Adam? Make friends. Yeah. And I mean, that is fairly common. And I kind of did it too when I was first dating my husband. Uh, Uh, Yeah, you did. But also in my defense, long distance relationship between friends and my boyfriend at the time uh i wanted to hang out with the person i could bang love y'all to death but mama needs me some man so i get why that starts but then you do got to reach an equilibrium but also as the running joke as you get older is that your schedules never match up with your friends and things just you know your ships passing in the sea And it is kind of true. It happens to a majority of people, I think. But also you do have to put effort into your friendships. Like, say, do a weekly podcast with them. (laughs) Uh, Cell phones and Instagram and Facebook are great for the instant contact just because I... One of my friends lives just like... She's actually like my only friend in the state of Texas. Uh, because she is the only person that I kind of clicked with and have wanted to spend time with outside of work. Because, you know, everybody has your work friends. And when they transition into hanging out outside of work, it's a miracle. Oh, I poached like my entire friend group from my last office. Like that was my hunting ground for friends. But it worked. It did. I was I was kind of sad to lose that job because I was like, where am I going to hunt for friends now? Like, <laughs> Uh, when we don't hang out because our schedules like I haven't seen her in several months because our schedules kept keep clashing but we're the sort of people who spam each other on Instagram whenever we see anything remotely interesting that we like we send it over and I appreciate that relationship uh, again weekly podcast and a lot of texting with Nikki what up? it's things like that you just got to put in a little effort and does Diana? No, apparently not. 
Yeah, I I mean, this is this was also something I feel like now as an almost 30 year old, um, it's far less common for me to lose friends to them dating someone else because their realization that making your significant other your entire social life and your entire world and the only thing you care about has usually come to be like, oh, that's not healthy. And they're they're kind of at that age now where they've like realized that uh, it's definitely something more I saw in my early 20s to teenage years. So the fact that Diana hasn't learned this lesson yet, fair. Like she's supposed to be 16. I I totally get it. I lost many a friends to the fact that they were dating this hot guy now and they didn't need me anymore. And then they'd break up with that guy like four weeks later for high school reasons. Um, so I kind of hope we go that route with Diana where it's like we get to see who Diana like is and Diana gets to make friends and not have to like be in this relationship and defined by it. But it's also a CW show. I sincerely doubt it. Anywho, before we digress further, lots of fun tangents in this episode. I gave up on this episode, hence the <laughs> tangents. I still have really liked discussing it with you, though, as per usual. Anywho, okay, Diana doesn't have friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Diana, lonely bitch. <laughs> goes to Cassie, though. Cassie is both the poison and the antidote, apparently. Cuts over to goons basically bringing Jake to a dude in some random location that I'm still confused at. It looked like some boathouse like, type boathouse docks. Yeah. yeah. Um, this dude is mad that Jake killed Simone, a fellow witch hunter. What? Jake's a witch hunter? I don't care. this dude says maybe it was a mistake to let a witch hunt other witches and Jake just basically falls over begging swears he won't fail and we end the episode so that's an interesting cliffhanger I hate Jake (laughs) I hate him so much fucking traitor I not even that I okay the best way I can describe this episode which is like kind of a nerd hard cut but I don't care is that they the writers got tired of the show they were writing and decided to write this one instead that's why they didn't need a second season they crammed it all into the 22, 24, something like that, episodes of this one season with all the ups and downs. But it's like, if you didn't like the character of Nick, you didn't have to have the character of Nick. Like, that was your choice. If you wanted a character like Jake, then why did you make Nick in the first place? Keep the show rolling, man. And it's like, jobs. I'm just like, I think I'm very confused by the fact that like, you know, as a show, it has writers. The writers have ultimate control. They could be like, 
Melissa calls the house and no one picks up. That's their choice. But it seems like they were suddenly like in a corner where they're like, we wrote the show with all these characters. And I don't actually want to write this show with any of these characters. So what if we just change them all and change the rules and do something different? It's not a show about witchcraft and demons. It's a show about Jake, the witch hunter. Ba, ba, ba. What? What? Like, if you want to do a love triangle with Cassie, you could have done it with Nick. Like, you didn't have to, like, have Nick have this weird relationship with Melissa that never worked. Like, that was your choice. So like I said at the beginning, this episode is a bunch of weird threads just kind of mangled together. And it will continue that way, I guess. What's it called? Like, um, a camel? What? It's like when you try to put too many pieces of too many things together and you turn out, turn out with a camel when you're trying to draw a horse. Okay. I mean, that sounds valid, but I don't know if I've heard of this before. Oh, I think that's what it's called. Um, I could be wrong. There, there's the whole elephant thing too, but that's a whole other thing, um, which I don't think is this. Yeah, uh, we now apparently have Jake, who I assume is going to stick around because we need this love triangle between Cassie, Adam, and Jake. And I know Jake's going to stick around as like the, but he loves Cassie. How can he kill her scenario? Which means Jake's going to be here forever, which I'm super upset about. I don't want Jake to be here. I hate Jake. Um, Uh, Cassie is super boring as per usual. Faye has issues that seem very traumatic that I feel like she should seek help for. Yes. Um, Melissa is once again, unfortunately here and the writers don't know how to get rid of her. And yeah, that's, that's where we're at. And I watched this episode being like, am I even watching the right show? I, so surreal. Don't, don't even know. It was strange and uncomfortable and the reason why I was like originally like oh I'm gonna do a nerd cut is Jade I assume with your husband um you watched the sequels to Star Wars right yes yeah so Force Awakens Last Jedi Rise of Skywalker for anyone who's watched those I'm sorry um yes I'm sorry you had to go through that with the rest of us it was a rough go of our lives But it's very obvious if you watch them in order that, like, it switched writers slash directors slash producers' hands 10,000 times. Because every movie is basically retconning the last movie. Yes! Um, This show gave me the same feel, where it was like we suddenly handed the show over to a new writer slash director slash creative team who was like, I don't like it. We're going to do this instead. So they killed Nick, and we're like, we're going to bring in Jake. And they're like, ah, I love this so much more. They took away anything interesting about Cassie. Cassie is basically just a corpse shambling around the screen now. And they're like, excellent. She's now an every girl. And I was like, you didn't have to do that. Um, Yeah, it it just, it definitely feels like we're now trying to retcon our first five episodes so we can go into our next five episodes. 
of hell, I assume. Lovely. When you put it that way, I'm much more afraid to continue. I am very scared, but I uh, also have been rewatching Star Wars as of late, so I feel like I am conditioned to be scared. Well, yeah, that's probably a good point there. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about the episode. Shall we yeah. move on to a deep dive? Yeah, I don't think I have anything else either besides like, well, that happened and now I'm lost. Thank you person. for joining us on this ride so far. Let's deep dive at the maze. At the maze. <coughs> um, yeah, I figured because they do a bunch of knife stuff in this episode, we should we should talk about at the maze. I didn't realize until we were already talking, recording this episode, maybe we should have done like moon symbolism, but I do like Athamaze a lot. So I do assume we will have our chance to do a moon deep dive in one of 10,000 other things. So, right. I am actually, now that I think about it, mildly surprised it hasn't come up yet. I agree. I'm also shocked by that. Um, But no, let's talk Athamaze. You know, uh, Simone had one, kind of. Yeah, no, I'd say it's technically anathema because I'm, again, pretty sure it has the crescent moon on the hilt. Uh, really, so athema and dagger, pretty much synonymous, almost. Um, I can't remember the term, the English term for this, when, like, um, an athema is a dagger, but a dagger is not necessarily an athema. Yes. So they're both functional. Dagger is usually a little bit more, I mean, it can be decorative, but it's generally just, it is just for function. Um, Athames are decorative. They're still functional in that it's mostly used just for ceremonial purposes. Um, You know, a little bit more decorative can still cut draw blood if you need for ceremony used to trace in symbols of your you know if you're working with clay or wax or things like that um if you're cutting up and honestly i've used it to stir some of my spell ingredients because it's just and mine's even like four inches hilt included a super pointy little arrow shaped head that I love. But it's all just, uh, it's just for spell stuff. So that's really a big takeaway from, again, athames are daggers, but daggers are not necessarily athames. Yeah, I think uh, once upon a time, this is similar to like a lot of things in any religious or spiritual ceremony. If we got into like hardcore direct definitions that does not apply to all practitioners or witches, what have you, athames are described as a double-sided blade, usually not sharpened with a black hilt. Uh, The rest of it can be decorative. It can have the moons, the moon phases, the triple goddess, uh, crows, ravens, sigils, what have you. But that's like the standard definition of what the by the book athame is. 
in actual practicing world, uh, athames can be made of like almost anything. I have seen like gemstone athames. I've seen athames made out of obsidian. I've seen athames that are not double-sided. I have seen athames that don't have a black hilt. They might not even really have a hilt at all if they're made out of gemstones. Um, I've seen athames that have like, you know, the rainbow blade or athames that have like beaded hilts. It's kind of up to the practitioner at this point, but once upon a time, that's what their definition once was. And they were used predominantly in place of wands. So instead of using wands to focus in direct magic, you could use an athame instead. This would often be to open circles, close circles, um, do bindings, banishments, mix ingredients, and just really help with cleansings and groundings at your altar. So most altars have an athame on them. As I said, nowadays athames can be made out of anything. It's kind of based on the practitioner. You can use them for what you want. You can sharpen them if you want, though they are not traditionally sharpened. If you do sharpen them, you're most likely going to use them for like carvings and spell agreement cutting and all that good stuff. Uh, athames are oftentimes in fiction and in books used as like, oh, look at it. The witch has a knife because she's into blood magic not the case. Uh, you can have an athame and do nothing with blood magic. You can be into blood magic and have an athame. The two are not connected. It's just kind of a choice that you can have in the situation. Um, athames also do not have a very strict and or old lineage. They really showed up in Wiccan and witchcraft and practitioners of the time, I believe in around the 1950s or 1960s with the rise of neo-paganism. Yeah. Yeah. I um I do have an athame. I'm actually not that super attached to it. I kind of want to replace it. Um, I have seen a bunch of like the stone carved ones that I think I like a bit more instead. I think they have a bit more of a vibe that I'm digging, but I need to order one slash look into it. So that's what I'm thinking. But I have used them in many ceremonies. They are useful for banishings. They are used for um, stirring herbs, making jar spells, all those things. And I like them. I like to have them around. They are good to have on your altar. Yeah, I really like them too. Um, I do actually have a couple, but I only consider one my actual athame uh, because it's, again, my short little one. I like to use it at to mostly I do dry ingredients for my spell work so I like to still just smooth it out make more of a homogenous mix um like Nikki said again really great focus instead of wands because like I've always wanted a wand but I nothing has called to me versus this astame did call to me so focus those intentions, it's helpful. But yeah, if you want to use it for decoration, that's fine. Uh, if you want to use it like I do for the stirring and things like that, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not necessary. It's all up to you. Again, like Nikki is spot on. All that I've heard is just basically the neo-paganism it's a lot more common nowadays with the, <laughs> I'm not discounting it, the Instagram witches. Mm -hmm. A lot of basic 
bitches out there. But to each their own. Everybody starts on their path somewhere. I just hope that when you start the path, you keep on it. Keep learning, not just use it for clout. But, you know, again, to each their own. Ha-da-la. Yeah, you can buy an Athame basically anywhere. Like, literally, just search Athame on Amazon, and you can get one for, like, five bucks. Like, they're they're pretty standard now. I think once upon a time, um, with the rise of neo-paganism, it was seen as very risque. That was like, oh, you mean we're going to equip all these women with weapons? They uh, do not have the mental capacity to deal with that. Uh, uh, yeah. And, oh, you you want one? You're a Satan worshiper. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, it honestly, I don't know. I think a identifying female who doesn't have at least one knife. I think it's very common for women to have knives on them for self-protection slash just uh, like in knives. Yeah, they're just handy. Yeah, they're just nice to have. Got open that Amazon package, knife. Like, I like having them. I have one in my purse. Um, I know so many people who do. So I would say the stigma around them is relatively gone at this point. But once upon a time, it was seen as like very horrible. That's all the all these ladies would want to wield a weapon or like were depicted with a weapon. I, I don't know. The 50s, 60s were a weird time. Yeah, I feel like honestly, <laughs> that kind of continued up through like through to the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then, like, grunge started to happen a lot more, and then it became a little bit more, well, generally not accepted, but it was growing, and then it's been a slow movement up until, like, the last decade when it all has been exploding. And now it's just commonplace. Yeah, it's, it's very commonplace. Um if you want to do something maybe a little more spiritual where you're like, I've looked on Amazon or I've looked on Etsy or all that stuff and I haven't found an athame I like, you can always make your own if that's something you're into. Like I said, it doesn't have to be sharp. So like just blade shape is all you're really looking for. Knife slash shape is what you're looking for. Um, I, there's many tutorials out there many places that will help you if you want to like carve one out of wood that is go for it be a whittler be whittling um a lot of places will like let you make like ceramic ones and I even have found like resin dagger molds on Amazon for like five bucks you can make resin ones yeah I mean honestly there's tons tons of witch stuff on Etsy And although I don't really like to support, I like to support the artists there, but also I'm at this war after the Etsy strike of how much do I buy from them? So it's uh, a real, real weird line that we've kind of come to with Etsy. Yeah. Yeah. So there's tons of witch stuff on there. You feel free to search it. Um, One thing actually that I have been into lately is um, Instagram shopping, not necessarily like on Instagram itself, but like uh i did it with some of my embroidery stuff i have done it with some of the witch stuff too i have found shoes this way it's i search you know a hashtag of the vibe i want and then find a post and a 
profile I like, and then, oh, they happen to have their own website. So then I search through their website. So that's definitely a, a lot easier to do nowadays and generally, you know, do some research and things like that. But yeah, like, like trees and stuff They're like, that's how I found a lot of like independent artists slash salespeople that you can buy from. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of ways you can get your hands on an athame that speaks to you or make your own. There's also a lot of good resources out there for how to utilize an athame. If it, the idea of having a blade does scare you, I understand not everyone is like as flippantly comfortable with it as we are. Um, a lot of good books out there. Like really all you have to do is search like athames. I think one of them that I read, I think most of, I, I don't remember if I finished it because I got it from the library was like Wiccan's Athame and Witchcraft or something around that note. Um, I can't remember it for sure, but it had like a little jack-o'-lantern pumpkin on the front and that had like a little knife. It was adorable and hence why it got my attention. Uh, so if that is something that like really dissuades you, but you're like, I want to use this tool. I'm just very scared to. There's a lot of good resources that will tell you how. And like I said, you don't have to sharpen it if you're not into that. Like in which case you just kind of have like a dull looking knife rock or wood or like even metal where you're like, you can grab it by the blade and like really squeeze it and it's not gonna hurt you. I have many knives that are not sharpened in any way. <laughs> so yeah, the world's your oyster with athames and they are very useful. They can be really great for your own spellcraft uh, practices. Top. Uh, so Nikki, what's on the couch? What uh, what have you been drinking this week? Um, I have been drinking a Golden State cider, the Mighty Dry version. It's hundred percent fresh pressed West Coast apples with champagne yeast. It's really just the company is a local company in my region, so it's very easy to buy, and I really like them. It's very dry. I like ciders a lot if they're not very sweet. Because if they're very sweet, I can't drink them. <laughs> but hangover one, central. Yeah, this one tastes good. It's the same way with like Moscatos and stuff. Like I like Moscatos for like half a glass or like as a dessert wine. And then afterwards I'm like, I'm out. Like I, I can't, I can't do the same more because ciders are like usually in these larger cans. I, I can't drink the really sweet ones. I get like a fourth of the way through and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sick. Um so this one's nice, very dry, very light. It's been pretty warm here in uh, California as of late. So it's been kind of nice to have that on the refreshing notes. And it, you know, got me through the existential crisis of this episode. Woohoo! <laughs> which is the best way I can describe this episode. Which is on the couch. Nikki has an existential crisis. What else is new? <laughs> But Jade, um, what, what have you been drinking this week? I did it. I went back to the original. I drank hard liquor for the first time in a while. No. Uh, I had a margarita. Oh, your thumbnail drink. That was so good. Sure. And I usually make them like a double and I only had enough to make a single, which was kind of disappointing, but mm, it really hit the spot. But I guess honestly... It helped with my moderation, forced moderation. So yeah, that's good, I guess. 
That's I'm completely out of tequila. There's no tequila in this household for me to have a margarita. Moving on. This episode did get a little dark. These episodes recently have kind of been dark. Um, it's okay if your own life feels dark. We all get deep down sometimes. I want to let you know that suicide is not the answer. Never, ever. I don't care how deep down you are. Um, so hard to talk about the issues. Once you do, it really, really does start to help. one place to talk to if you're feeling suicidal you can call a suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255 you can also text uh 24-7 crisis hotline uh their number is 741-741 i always thought you text them help to start the conversation i recently saw a thing saying you text them talk or something like that to start the conversation. I'm not entirely sure now, but they're available 24 seven message to them. And I assume they'll send you, no matter what you tell them, I assume they'll send like a little instruction text and then they can move forward from there. Yeah, I don't think they're going to ignore you. Yeah. Um, you can also actually walk into an ER and say you're having suicidal ideations and they can get you checked into talking to someone as well. So there are options. <sighs> it's always a rough roller coaster, but there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. So stick with us, everybody. I'm glad you're still here. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode, which is the couch. Um, I don't know if it was good. <laughs> I, it happened it happened as i said i feel like i went into it very unconnected and i i i think i had a good time like i always like spending time with jade and talking about these things with you guys our audience and that's fun i just don't know anymore on this one so i'm gonna say it was good and i'm gonna say that this was great and we had an awesome time and hey, if you want more of us having a great, awesome time, you can follow us on Instagram. Let me try that again. Instagram, where we are also just witches on the couch, same as our podcast title. Uh, you can feel free to go there, follow us, like us, uh, comment suggestions of shows, movies, or things you want us to talk about. Uh, that's how Secret Circle started. I might have to go back and talk to that person. <laughs> ouch <laughs> i won't i won't i'm happy they suggested it i will never be mean to you for your suggestions uh you're just gonna have to put up with my commentary on them and i feel like if you suggest it you know what you're getting into so yeah. i think we're in a rough patch but i am eagerly waiting to see how it continues it's a little I, painful to watch but i want to i really want to know how it ends so i am hooked all right you got Jade. <laughs> Good job, everyone. Um, but I feel like I'm always the more critical one anyway, which is why I'm like, yeah, if you suggest things, you know, I will have opinions. That's where we're at. And that's good. You know, I like having opinions. I like that you guys have opinions. It doesn't mean your opinion's wrong. It just means I have a different one. Same with Jade. 
that's our cons to go back to. But thanks for listening to this episode during this morning, afternoon, evening, day, wherever you tend to be listening to podcasts these days. Feel free to like, review, subscribe, do whatever you have to do to help yourselves keep listening to us and help other wandering witches find our podcast. This has been an episode and we will talk to you guys next time. Later, you guys. Bye.